You've been invited. You've been invited. You've been invited to experience Greenheart's The Vegan Vibe. Please enjoy the show. Hey listeners, we thought we'd switch up the intro a little bit. Um, this is Alex and Brendan's beside me. We're back after a short hiatus of enjoying our lives at Christmas time. <laughs> so Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy Kwanzaa. We don't know what kind of holidays you guys follow, but we support them all. So I hope that they're turning out well for you, because they're not over yet. And Happy New Year ahead of time, because we will forget. All right. On our website, we changed the pictures so that they are seasonal, and we added an articles page. So that's going to grow over time, but right now we have, I think, four articles up about miscellaneous things, and we're also looking for contributors. If you have an idea of something you want to write, then uh, send it our way, and we'll be sure to post it up, if, if it's suitable, um, with full credit to you, so we can grow, because it's not... Green Hearts isn't our project, it's a project for everyone, and we want to make sure that it's the best for everyone. So we have a spice of the week to kick things off, and I'll leave that to Brennan. Okay, nutmeg is the spice of the week, and nutmeg is native to an island group in Indonesia. It is a pungent spice, which can be used in a variety of dishes to complement or heighten flavors. I learned this year in school that nutmeg is poisonous when injected intravenously. Okay, wait, wait, let me back up. How do you find out whether or not nutmeg is poisonous injected intravenously? <laughs> Recipe of the week. So it goes along with the nutmeg uh, theme. So for those of you that still have gardens growing, if you're in the southern hemisphere, <laughs> you can steam some green, yellow, or purple uh, beans until they're tender, which will take about 5 to 10 minutes. And then you can grate a little bit nutmeg, of nutmeg on top. And just remember that you got you have to f find a, a fine grater because if you, because it's, it's like a hard nut that's it's kind of woody. So if you were to grate like on a huge grater, you'd get big chunks of like wood in what you're eating. So I suggest that you use a microplane. Yeah, and you should have one anyway. They're good for a lot of things. You'll find in your cooking careers. We're gonna go straight into some articles. We haven't had those for a while. And it's about time that we point out the obvious elephant in the animal rights group, I guess. <laughs> I'll let Brennan take over this. Alright. Let's just get jump right into this. PETA. They drive me nuts. If you go to their website, which I don't tend to do very often, you can find all sorts of redonkulous uh, <laughs> articles. <laughs> PETA is boycotting maple syrup in hopes that it will tell the Canadian government that it's time to end the seal hunt. Before we even get into that, we're not going to touch on the seal hunt. We're just going to talk about PETA's interpretation of... Um... How they're going about... Um... <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah. 
We're just going to talk about how PETA is going about raising awareness and they seem to be using very unrelated topics. So what they've done, they've started up a campaign to so that everybody will boycott Canadian maple syrup. To me, maple syrup, clubbing seals. Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't really see the link. If this they were a Venn use... diagram, it would be two circles. Yeah. Unless all Canadians use maple trees to club their seals, then I could see where they were going with this, but I don't, I don't see the link at all. And I don't think that it's a credible move to attack maple syrup when they're trying to end the seal hunt. Yeah, it's definitely not credible. It's, it's blaming everybody, and especially non-related groups, for the actions of some. There is some good news to this, though, believe it or not. I learned something very important that Canada produces 85% of the world's maple syrup, which is pretty significant. And I'm really proud to be Canadian now, because I like maple syrup. My cat's beside me, the big chubby one. Um, so I thought that I'd make the link between maple syrup and baby seals for those of you who don't find it. My cat climbs our maple tree in the backyard. My cat is very cute. Baby seals are very cute. And sometimes she falls off the tree. So it's kind <laughs> of like clubbing baby seals. I don't know. Maybe they... Maybe PETA took a visit in my backyard. Yeah, that's definitely how they're thinking. In other news... And very much related, PETA has taken a stand against the Olympics. Woo-hoo! Yay! And if you go to their website, once again, which I don't suggest you do. But anyways, <laughs> they have all these images of, like... They've taken the logos from the Olympics and made them kind of horrifying. Like, all, all the mascots killing seals and stuff, and... They're just completely missing the point. The Olympics is all about sportsmanship, and they pride themselves on international sportsmanship. How does this reflect sportsmanship if you're turning the Olympics... Like, they're, they're trying to turn the Olympics into something political. And j just a note, all Canadians don't club seals. Yeah, in fact, a lot of seal clubbers are Americans or other people who come to Canada for that reason. It's, it's irrelevant to not only the Olympics in general, but also the athletes. The athletes have nothing to do with this, and athletes aren't going to not come to the Olympics because Canada um, clubs seals. It's just, I agree, it's just silly. But I guess it gets a lot of media attention, and we're giving it more media attention than it deserves. Although I guess it's negative media attention, and I'm sure not many of you will go to any of the sites with a positive attitude after hearing this. At least I hope you don't. Um, we're also going to talk about music and activism. Brennan was watching television the other day, <laughs> and on the TV there was an old clip of protest songs. Okay, so, so I was watching TV the other day and I saw an old clip of um, 1960s protest songs and it got me thinking a little bit about how music has changed over the last 40 years or so and uh, the, way in people, the, the way that people protest using song. It kind of got me thinking about the kind of uh, music that Joni Mitchell and John Lennon wrote. Like, they took the, the sing softly and carry a powerful message approach, whereas today it seems as though bands, I won't mention which bands, but they're taking the scream our message as loud as we can and maybe somebody will hear us approach. I don't really know which one's more effective, and I won't pass judgment, but you could probably see where my <laughs> my preference is. Well, I think they're kind of two different issues, um, musical taste and which one carries a more powerful message. A big problem with activism in general, it's hard really to judge which one is the better method. 
And I think it's important that we diversify our methods because if you just have the speak, sorry, sing softly and carry a powerful message approach, um, it might not engage teenagers who are into heavier music, um, which is key because I listen to bands for their music primarily, and then if they carry a message, um, it might inspire me, but that's not why I start listening to them. So I listen to a lot of bands that have the scream our message as loud as we can, and maybe someone might hear me approach. Um, but I didn't listen to them for that reason. I listened to them because I like their music. So we're going to link to a few songs in particular that we think carry a, a significant message, and you can pass judgment on yourself. So the eco rant, I'm going to talk about uh, environmental education, and seeing as I'm going into teaching, as I've mentioned before, I'm pretty uh, keen on incorporating environmental education into my classroom. Uh, my biggest concern is that kids get in touch with nature. Lately, it seems as though children don't spend enough time outside. Children simply aren't uh, spending as much time outside as they used to, and this is awful. It's a major cause of the skyrocketing rates of obesity today. And we were, I was actually taking an, uh, an education course on um, physical education, and we talked about, just briefly in passing, we were talking about how uh, less children are going outside and playing in the uh, playgrounds, and people are saying that, that they're not allowing their children to go because it's quote-unquote dangerous. But when you think of it, if more people went out there, there would be more supervision, more people around, and they'd be safer. That's really frustrating, man. Yeah. You can't go outside in the playground because it's dangerous. These parents are probably 300 pounds. <laughs> and I've already had three triple bypasses. Ah. Man, that's frustrating. We're built for physical exertion, and we're built to, um, like traditionally at least, hunt and gather our food, and that requires a lot of movement. This is kind of on a tangent, but I was talking to someone about different body types, and evolutionary speaking, people who carry more weight are more adaptive to the environment. If we were to go back 2,000 years, they would be better off because they've got fat storage so they can live if there's a famine. Whereas um, I have a really high metabolism, and so does Brennan we would probably perish first. <laughs> In fact, we might get eaten. Yeah. So it's just kind of a cool side note that in our culture, things have changed. Just because it's healthier to be skinny doesn't mean, evolutionarily speaking, it's better off. I guess that's just kind of a useful tidbit if you're having a conversation with someone who's really skinny. You can put them down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We don't no. condone putting people down. No. Okay. Let's back it up. Back it up. Okay, back to what I was saying. So, uh, you are still talking? Yeah. I'm oh, just... man. I'm going to take a nap. <sighs> okay. So, <I'm... laughs> where was I? You're done. No, I'm not. I didn't say all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's the important stuff. Okay. So, if you're trying to incorporate more uh, outside education and physical education into uh, cl classrooms, then this is my approach to it. Take the kids outside and bring nature inside. Now this seems completely obvious, but there are a lot of teachers that just don't ever go outside. I know, I remember in high school, we begged the teachers to go outside on the really nice days. And honestly, what's wrong with that? As long as you stay in, within the school boundaries. In one of my workshops that I, I saw on environmental education, the uh, instructor showed us these cool, um, you can actually buy fabric that has a special coating on it so that you can write on it with chalk and then erase it so it's a blackboard fabric. So she said just bring that with you outside and then you have a blackboard with you. 
why not do a lesson outside and for instance if you're learning about what mammals are just go outside and try and find one in your neighborhood yes i do realize that humans are mammals and yeah <laughs> they're kind of boring i mean we see them all the time i, I mean i'm kind of bored of alex right now so oh thanks yeah another cool outdoor lesson that i encountered in high school was a field trip that we took to a small forested area where we could identify trees which was really cool because it's a practical way of teaching people how to identify trees, which is an important skill, I'd say. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, school field trips are declining because of so many um, uh, liability claims and nothing ventured, nothing gained. We should just go out and do it. Like when I was younger, I lived uh, in a rural community and we did uh, cultural education because I lived uh, in a native community. And we went out and did, uh, we went out on the ice and skied. We, we made fires outside and cooked uh, like a campfire, uh, on a campfire to learn that sort of stuff. So it's that time of year again. And although we missed the Christmas boat, we're still going to give you some green Christmas tips. Um, these also apply to any other holidays, birthdays, anywhere where you might use any of these tips. <laughs> so one of the biggest things that my family has adopted is instead of using wrapping paper, we use magazines or flyers that you find with a newspaper. It's a good way to reuse things that would otherwise just go in the garbage and um, not create the demand for a new product. And it kind of looks really unique too. Another thing is to uh, recycle gifts. Say if you get something that you don't necessarily want, then you could give it to somebody else. I know there's a big stigma around um, regifting, but really, it's not that. It, like, if I were to give something to somebody and they didn't, they couldn't use it, then and they wanted to give it to somebody else who could, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, just go for it. Get yep. rid of all stigmas, man. Stigmas are bad. <laughs> Related to that one, um, if you don't like it and can't exchange it, then why not donate it? There are tons of uh, needy families that could use extra clothes. Yeah, especially clothing, but I'm, most places will take anything. Yep. Um, you can also make gifts if you don't have the money to buy anything, or even if you just want to give something that's more personal. You can make things like preserves. Um, you can make holiday cards. Uh, you can knit things uh, like socks, scarves, or mittens. I personally like to make cards around Christmas and for birthdays. They're really ugly, <laughs> but I think people realize that it adds a personal touch to it. I'm just going to keep on telling myself that. <laughs> I read a Greenpeace article that was talking about Christmas trees, and they stated that it's more green to cut down a Christmas tree than to buy one of those plastic ones because of all the chemicals that are in the plastic ones. And for the most part, Christmas trees that have been used get turned into mulch, and then they're reused. That's what happens here. We already have a plastic Christmas tree, so obviously there's no need to go out and get another one. But for those of you who might be going off to university or um, buying a new house, because we have a variety of listeners, just take that into consideration. Yeah. Normally you can't have real trees in university in a, residences, though. So. Right. I was going with, like, apartments and stuff. Okay. Yeah, you can't have them in apartments either. Oh, no? No. Well, you could sneak them in. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that! <laughs> just kidding. Um, Batteries. During the holidays... Especially for younger kids, they tend to get gifts that use batteries. And just keep in mind that these batteries can be recycled at most um, major stores. They don't even have to be battery-related. 
Um, there goes the doorbell. Man, the most random stuff happens in these podcasts. At least it wasn't the phone. Okay, so recycle batteries when you're done with them. Uh, this is the part of the show. I wanted to introduce a new segment about uh, what we're eating lately. So um, I've been tending to bake late at night, uh, especially before exam... Examination period? Yeah, examination period ha- uh, happened. Um, I, would s- I would be doing work all day and then homework, and then I'd only have some time to myself late at night. So I started making things like blondies, which are like brownies, except... Blonde. Blonde, yeah. Cool. And granola bars, banana bread. Oh, speaking of banana bread, we've got to do this now. We'll link to Dino's crazy banana bread in the show notes. Because he loves it when people cook his banana bread. Does he? Yeah, it's like his favorite thing. That's awesome. Oh, look what you wrote in the show notes. (laughs) I'll let you make that joke. It's always great to have a little bit of sweet after a bitter day. (laughs) Oh, see what he did there? Oh, I cracked myself (laughs) up. Yep. Oh, man, that was bad. But really funny, Brent, really yeah, funny. I know. It, it's good when I write them down. Yeah. They don't come very often, but when they do come, they're, they're good. <laughs> so other than the sweet stuff, we've been making uh, lots of soups and stews. Did you put barley in it? No. Oh, I love barley. I, I like barley a lot, too. Yeah, I, and... I made what Brennan labels as a stoop with barley. I didn't put enough barley in to make it a stew, so it turned into a stoop. I'd just like to clarify the word stoop. It's not uh, the thing that you trip over when you go out the door like I do. Oh! Ah. Yeah, it's uh, stews that are too runny to be stews, but not liquid enough to be soups. Therefore, stoops. That's definitely what I made. Speaking of recipes, we have an ever-updating recipes page on our site. Um, You can find it on our homepage. If you just go greenhearts.ca, there'll be a link to it in the picture. And we don't have an RSS feed or anything, but if you check back regularly, we usually update with recipes. Um, I think we've been going at a solid, like, one a week or one every two weeks. Really? We have some significant recipes on there now. I'll try to get my stoop recipe for barley on there. (laughs) And um, we won't put Dino's banana bread recipe on there, but we'll link it in the show notes so you can check it out. Um, If you've tried any of our recipes and if they've worked... Or if they've completely failed horribly and you'd like to tell us, then you can email us at greenhearts at live.ca. Yeah. Yeah. I, most of the time when I cook, I don't measure things. So it's kind of a, a new thing for me to have to measure something to write it down as a recipe. But um, I think that the measurement should be fairly accurate. It should be not bad. But if you do come across a recipe that's just ridiculous, then let us know and we'll definitely change it. Ridiculously tasty. Uh, yeah. And if if you uh, make a recipe and like it and change it and make it better, then let us know too and we'll, we'll give you credit. You. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Credit. credit. That's what we'll do. <laughs> Good one, Brendan. We had the book of the week this week is a book that I discovered because of my um, grandmother. It's called Foods That Harm and Foods That Heal. And it's essentially a dictionary of food. So you can look up a food and it'll tell you what's good about it and what's bad about it. You can also look up illnesses and it'll tell you how food can play into that illness. And lastly, the quote of the week. This is an excerpt from Civil Disobedience written by Henry David Thoreau. And if you're looking for it, you can find it online. Just uh, search it in Wikipedia and it'll link to it at the bottom. Or you can read it in Walden. I think there's usually essays added at the bottom. So the quote reads, 
If the injustice is part of the necessary friction of the machine of government, let your life be a counter-friction to stop the machine. What I have to do is see, at any rate, that I do not need to lend myself to the wrong which I condemn. Uh, like I said, it's exerted, so it's not exactly the way it reads, but you can find the whole quote on civil disobedience. Actually, we'll link, we'll link that in the show notes so you'll be able to find it. And uh, that's all we have for this week. Stay tuned for some bloopers after the show notes. Um, we had a rough time recording this podcast, so <laughs> there'll definitely be some bloopers in the back. We're definitely rusty. <laughs> so you can contact us, like Brennan said, greenhearts at live.ca, and visit our homepage, www.greenhearts.ca. If you go to the credits page of our homepage, you will see all of the countries that our page has been viewed in. I think there are 38 as of today. So that's really cool. Stay green. Be kind. Bye. Bye. about all sorts of weird things like this one thing was uh magic mushrooms they found out how to purify it because a shaman ate it went into convulsions and then they for some reason they decided to collect his urine and then drink it (laughs) and then they got the it just doesn't make sense oh who knows i can just imagine in a hospital we've tried saline doctor what next (laughs) try the nutmeg (laughs) okay onward and one of them is, uh, how does maple syrup boycott, wow, how, protest, not protest. I say it like an English person. <laughs> we're, we're built for physical education. We're built for, <laughs> we'll cut. This is the part of the show when, uh, I wanted to talk about what I've been eating lately and, uh, we've all been really crazy busy and, uh, it's, it's always nice to, uh, exchange, uh, meal ideas and stuff. Um, you just said ah uh, like five times in the sentence. I didn't even hear. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I love how we're recording this on my computer, so I have to do all the editing. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Brent. <laughs> That's good. That's okay. Okay. We made a lot of mistakes.